in my opinion, just because a family makes a dollar more than whatever that threshold means does not preclude that student's uh, valuation from getting the education that they deserve. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative, the volunteer state's largest conservative news outlet. Today, I am joined by Brian Ritchie, representing District 20 in Blount County. He's going to share his story of running for office, what it's like in Nashville, in the Capitol, as a freshman lawmaker, and the legislation he is carrying to advance a truly conservative agenda in Tennessee with real school choice. Brian is married with two children, uh, works as a realtor, and attends Baptist worship services. He also attended uh, Ap Opka High School. I don't know the Indians that that, that was named after or probably do not like me, me mispronouncing that. Lake Sumter College and is a veteran of the U.S. Navy. He serves as a member of the Agricultural and Natural Resources Committee, Education, uh, Administration, and Insurance Committees, and on the K-12 Subcommittee. Brian, welcome to the program. Glad to have you here. Glad to be here, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, let's get right into it. Tell me what made you want to challenge a Republican in the primary, and what were your secrets uh, of of doing that? Don't tell too much. Don't don't give any. Right. Don't aid and abet the enemy uh, with information. Uh, but I mean, it's difficult. People think, especially if you're running in a primary. Typically, you're like the reason I'm running is because the person I'm running against is not very conservative. They're not representing my values. Uh, they're not representing the party platform, and there's a lot of pressure uh, put on people to never, ever do that, as if the platform is somehow uh, supposed to be subservient to the personality. Talk about why you decided to run and, and what it was like and, and the experiences you went through from consideration to victory. Absolutely. So to, to step back, so I went to Apopka High School, which is an Indian, the Swanee, it stands for the big potato. So uh, a popka is the big potato, but no, I uh, decided to run in 2019. Uh, the General Assembly passed legislation making my company illegal, and out of 132 legislators, nobody contacted me to see what my opinion um, on this legislation was making deer urine illegal in the state of Tennessee. So that was what prompted me and got me looking into who was representing my voice up there in uh, Nashville. And as I started looking at the voting record of the uh, current representative that we had at the point um, that I challenged, um, I did. I kept seeing just a similarity of on the important issues, he was voting on the opposite side from where I felt that he should be voting from my, where my conservative uh, principles and values are based on uh, serving in the U.S. Navy and swearing an oath to the Constitution and I'm sitting there looking at that, thinking that he didn't represent my voice. So I started getting active in the local community, um, speaking to folks. I'd only lived here um, at that point. I challenged him in 2020 and uh, was only eligible to run by two weeks. So you have to be a resident of Tennessee for three years. I was three years and two weeks when the primary came around. Um, so just barely met the cutoff to be able to challenge. We had COVID, all that. So um, I ended up doing more data research on how to run a campaign, read books, uh, watch YouTube videos, um, spoke to other people that ran successful campaigns, that ran unsuccessful campaigns, spoke to some folks that I knew, um, 
or my state representative from back when I was in Florida. I called him up and um, had conversations with him. And the overarching uh, thing that I ended up hearing from everybody that I ended up communicating with was in order to be an incumbent who's been in office for a while, um, they start getting complacent. They start uh, not showing up and communicating with the, with the public as a whole for their district, and they just start representing small cliques or circles of population in the community. And my strategy was simple. I just wanted to get out and communicate with as many people as I can could face to face. But um, as we start, as I started kind of digging through whether I was going to run or not, had conversations with my wife. Um, we prayed about it and it came up to the uh, decision that I couldn't do any worse than what I currently had. Um, so I had nothing to lose. So then I started uh, chatting with other folks in the community and they're like, well, why would you run against him? We don't run, what, you're a Republican, why would you run against Republicans? So I had that exact conversation with a lot of people where they're asking me, why would I want to run against um, who we had? And I'm sharing, well, on this particular piece of legislation or on this bill, or this is, uh, these are where my areas of concern are or where how he's represent my voice doesn't match up. And a lot of people locally didn't know what uh, he'd been doing in Nashville. So I contacted him, went and sat down at the Waffle House and ate breakfast with him to let him know he was one of the first individuals. Um, when I decided to run, I called him up to let him know I was going to be challenging him. And he asked me, he said, who put you up to this? Um, he thought somebody in Nashville wanted him out. He thought it was our other Black County representative because he's a veteran as well. And I, and I shared with him, no, nobody prompted me, called me, asked me, none of that happened. I only decided to run because I couldn't sit on the sidelines anymore and allow you to vote on legislation that I did not agree with how you represent my voice. And it was going to, I felt that it would negatively impact uh, not only my business, but more importantly, my children's uh, future here in the state of Tennessee. And I felt that if anybody was going to stand up and uh, fight for our freedoms and what we had going on, um, it might as well be me uh, because nobody else was willing to do that. Well, you hit on a few points. Number one, uh, most politically active people out there and even Republican groups, when I go speak to these groups and I say, did you know so-and-so voted for this? Did you know so-and-so voted for that? Did you know so-and-so did this? Most people are so low information if they don't subscribe to our publication because we're the only people that cover it. They have no idea that their buddy their pal, their friend that shows up to these uh, meet and greets uh, is actually voting in, in a very liberal left-leaning way. Uh, and so you have to educate people about that. Number two, uh, pushing past all of that um, negative uh, reception that you get when you decide to do what's right by the platform, the old school Republican platform, which is darn near dead up in Nashville, my opinion, not yours. And then finally, uh, you studied you looked at the strategy uh, and then you moved forward with a plan. A lot of people think that running for office is some kind of a high school popularity contest. And it's not this, it's this very mechanical methodical process. Uh, it's a sales and marketing process. And uh, I will, one of the first to tell you, I'm putting together a conservative candidates Academy. Uh, we endorsed you. Uh, you're the only person that took my advice and actually did anything with it. Uh, Cause free advice is never taken. If you're not paying, you don't pay attention. And so I was so glad to see you win 
uh, and you 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 are a much better representative than what we have uh, had previously. So thank you very much. Uh, you've been in Nashville for what a couple of months now? Correct. Yeah, just 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 over uh, well two and a half months now. So tell me. You may be the only person that has ever given me an honest answer on this. I did ask this question one time to somebody and and kind of got kind of got the standard treatment, which may be wise. Uh, what has been your biggest surprise, both positive and negative, up there? The biggest surprise is that something that I, I thought there would be a little bit more coordination as far as for what else is going on. Uh, when I showed up, something as simple as, "Hey, where's the map of?" Cordell Hall and where everybody's offices are located. And if I need, if I have a question, where can I go find that individual? Um, and because I didn't have a legislative aid whenever I started um, for the first, uh, actually I didn't have a legislative aid until, Jordan didn't start with me until at Thursday after we got sworn in. Um, so for the first two months, I was running solo trying to figure it all out. So I think that was probably my biggest surprise was just um, how quickly everything comes together but it's more of the lack of communication or preparation for the folks that are coming up there to do very important stuff um, and vote on this these legislation and introduce bills and um, not having a system being a small business owner and working as a managing director for the largest life insurer in the world um, that's something that uh, we had systems and processes in place for everything and whenever i started there was there's nothing there. So that's probably the most surprising thing. Um, positive is I feel um, everybody up there is nice, but it's almost one of those weird nices um, to where they're, it's because they all come with some type of an agenda with everything that they've got going on. And that, I'm not just talking about members. Um, it's everybody across the board um, up there is uh, getting on the calendar to come by to say hello. And I enjoy all the conversations, but it's trying to really, I, and I'm just an upfront, honest guy. I tell everybody almost they, as they've been asking me how it's going. I said so I feel almost liberated because um, what I campaigned and spoke to people on about when I was running for this particular seat is exactly what I'm doing now that I'm there. So I'm not having to rethink, well, what is this going to end up doing as far as for reelection? Everybody else is so focused on whether or not. Um, they're going to get reelected. Um, not everybody, but a vast majority of them. Um, I've had conversations with other members and uh, share what some of the legislation that I've introduced. And they're like, well, I support that. But if I end up voting for that, I'm not going to get reelected. And I'm sitting there in my head going, well, how did you get re how'd you get elected to begin with if your constituents don't know that you appreciate or support that? So that's probably ties into positive and negative. I, I, the accessibility to everybody is great for uh, doing that, but the uh, trying to navigate what everybody's got going on is uh, is is a challenge. And uh, people, there's two different people. There's their campaign hat, and then after election, they start focusing on their next re-election. Well, you know the the key to victory uh, often is to make campaign promises that you have absolutely no intention of delivering on. And then depending upon people to have short memories and to be low information, which leads me to my next uh, question, um, you know, campaign promises and, and not getting reelected and not delivering. Uh, one of uh, Bill Lee's biggest campaign promises was real school choice. He talked about it on the campaign trail ad nauseum. I think right now 
after four years, we've got like 300 kids that have school choice. They can get, I mean, a 300 out of like almost a million kids. It's like 900 and some odd thousand. Um, really disappointing. I mean, I voted for him primarily because of that pledge. Uh, you've got a real school choice bill that sounds like real school choice, not social media posting, get on a bus, ride around Tennessee, say it's school choice when it's really not school choice, school choice. And so what does it do? Why is it important for Tennessee kids and parents right now? Yeah. And, and I was excited when I heard about uh, Billy's school choice, uh, our local school districts here where our, my kids go to school or great school districts. But I understand that a lot of the families that are across the state of Tennessee don't have the option for the level of education that we've got here in Blunt County, whether it's at Maryville Alcoa or Blunt County School System, um, all of those are set up. And parental involvement is crucial um, across the board. If your kid's going to be a brain surgeon, it doesn't matter almost where they go to school at, they're still going to be a brain surgeon. Um, but I think parental involvement is key. But whenever I ended up hearing that there was this uh, ESA voucher school choice that Governor Lee had uh, introduced, and then I heard that it was only going to be for Nashville and Memphis. My first initial thing that sucked in based on my values, my principles is if it's good enough for some students in the state, it should be good enough for all the students in the state. So as I dug into it, I ended up finding out that that was the compromise that the state, that the General Assembly ended up doing to be able to get this in place, um, which was fine if that's your argument there, but now it's time to go ahead and expand it. So now there's uh, legislation this year that got introduced to expand it into Hamilton County. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Now we've got another big metro area to where we're just going to slowly just trickle it in. And we really don't have any data that shows if this is helping out on the education side and the students having the options works out. So I said, well, let's just actually draft up legislation that would be true school choice and they've got a ceiling on the bill that's in there right now. Uh, this particular year, I believe it's 7,500 is the maximum number of students that can participate in the ESA. And next year, I think it goes up to 10,000. And then it'll have to be re revisited next year during the session to address what's going to take place going forward. But the bill that I introduced is true school choice. Currently, you have to be, uh, your income has, the family income has to be below a certain threshold. In my opinion, just because the family makes a dollar more than whatever that threshold means does not preclude that student's that uh, valuation from getting the education that they deserve. Um, and then another part that is on the school choice right now or the ESA program that we have currently is they have to be in a failing school district. Well, they might not be in a failing school district um, and there might be a better option for them. Um, so I opened it up what my bill intends to do if we can end up getting it passed we will open it up to all 95 counties across the state. It removes the income level uh, requirement. It removes the school grade to where it's open for any student across the entire state. It still has that 7,500 and, and it'll go to 10,000 next year cap as far as for students that can participate in it. But I even went one step further and made it to where it's eligible for our homes homeschool students to where they would receive 25% of the proceeds that are coming in. And how I truly honestly end up seeing this is those are taxpayer dollars that are set aside to educate students. 
It's not taxpayer dollars set aside to go into a monopoly education system and the people that are so against it have the teachers union and all the school boards and they're looking at it that this is going to take away revenue from them. And I don't think that is the intent of the legislation or, the, or what will end up happening. If anything, it'll create more competition in the society that we live in. I think competition is a great thing. When you only have one choice, one option, your results will be whatever that particular organization puts together. And right now, we're uh, not moving people forward with at reading level, and the numbers are visible across the state. And you end up looking at proficiency in reading. Um, and then we've got this third grade retention that's about to come up and uh, take place. And if we had actual true school choice to where parents can make the decision on what's truly best for their students. If it's a private school, if it is a charter school, if it is homeschool, if it is another public government school, um, they're able to move them around to where that's going to create that competition amongst the educators. And if anything, I feel that this will end up lifting up that teacher compensation, which is a big concern because if you once you get out of the government bureaucracy of all the additional layers to the layers to the layers before it actually gets to the teachers, you're going to have more direct dollar infusion going directly to the teacher. So not only is it best for the students, which is what it's intended to do, it's going to have an adverse effect and be extremely beneficial for our educators that we've got across the state and get more compensation in their pot pocket as a byproduct for educating our most important uh, assets that we've got, our most important subset of, the, of our population, which is our kids. Well, I agree with all that. Uh, only 53% of Tennessee taxpayer dollars presently make it into the classroom. They talk about wanting to increase teacher pay, which I'm all for if the performance is there. But when half the money goes into, for the most part, non-value-add nonsense and administration, uh, it's what the government always do, does. They, 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 you take a, you give them a pound, they give you back a penny. And uh, so, number it, it, this whole argument, uh, Brian, that we're going to leave kids in failing academic environments for 13 years while we tinker around trying to help a half a percent of the population, a two percent of the population, and call that advancement or school choice. Uh, all the failures of education in the last decade rest at this point not squarely on the shoulders of Republican leadership. And in this system that we continue to pour money in is, is failing. Uh, the boards aren't responsive. Uh, think about this. Our schools are so corrupt with ideologies that we don't like that the, the legislature had to pass a bill that says you can't keep telling white kids they're evil for being white. And it is so pervasive in the school we had to pass legislation. Imagine that that there was a, a, a chain of restaurants and it, it was so pervasive that they were cooking dead possums that the legislature had to pass a law that said, hey, guys, quit serving dead possums. And then people keep keep sending videos into the legislature and emailing people and say, hey, they're still serving dead possums like you would not want to go eat there. But yet we keep our kids in this awful environment that I do not believe can be corrected. And I do believe they, they need uh, out. And I do appreciate very much. Uh, and we'll move on to the next question. If you really care about conservatism, you will give. If you do not, you will create an excuse. You can have the results of a free and well-informed citizenry in Tennessee where you get to keep your freedoms because there's no place left to run or you can have your excuses. But you can't have both. 
So if you'd like the freedom over the excuses, please do go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com slash support. Leave your guilty conscience and give. If you give any amount, <laughs> if you give any amount, we will send you this Don't California My Tennessee bumper sticker, this proud Tennessee conservative uh, bumper sticker, and this new fangled, dangled, fantastic, wonderful, updated directory of all your legislative critters so that you can reach out to them when they try to, I don't know, import more illegal aliens, censor speech, you know, all the things they're busy up there doing that are really for your benefit and not theirs or the corporate overlords that fund them. And if you give $50 or more, or if you give a $10 donation or more that is recurring, a monthly recurring donation, we will give you this proud Tennessee conservative koozie. And we will also give you this proud Tennessee conservative tumbler, which you're going to have to imagine, because it appears that in the cleaning of the office, which happened here recently, that that has been misplaced. So, I want you to just close your eyes, not if you're driving. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. Keep them open. And imagine... Imagine a, a gleaming cylindrical tube, almost like, almost like uh, what was in Indiana Jones when he was reaching out. And he was trying to find that very, that very wonderful, beautiful chalice, and and he had to pass the test with the old knight. That is basically what this is, um, and it, it it will give you immortal life. Uh, it's very amazing. Uh, and it also keeps beverages warm and, and cold, which is which is really good and helpful. So you will get that tumbler, and we will send it directly to you. The Tennessee Conservative, uh, 1523 East 27th Street, uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37404. I'll give it to you again. The Tennessee Conservative, 1523 East 27th Street, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37404. Or go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com slash support. Uh, your looking at, at, at the income situation, I've had a, a small business, multiple properties. I've paid into the tax system in Tennessee with employees and everything else and equipment purchases through the, the wazoo. And to tell people, because you have been successful and you have contributed more to the tax base than anybody else, your kids certainly can't reap the benefit of your own tax investment. And this is these are Republican-held, deeply entrenched ideas in Tennessee. And it is like the prevailing opinion. And so I think we, we need people to shake it up. And finally, uh, I'm happy that you're presenting this bill. There's, there's this thing that goes on in the legislature where they discourage people to introduce bills in committee if the, the, if the outcome's not already been predetermined because no one in the committee wants to be on record as saying – they are for keeping kids in failing schools and to not give kids and parents choices. They don't even want the bills to be brought up because then they're on record. And so kudos to you for being brave enough to bring stuff like that to a committee um, because we need to have folks on record. They need to, to tell us where their values lie. Um, so what else are you carrying this session and why should people be excited about it? Talk about a few of your other bills. So I've got a lot of, I've knocked on a ton of doors, made a bunch of phone calls, and uh, I'm just running legislation that folks here in Blount County were interested and compassionate about, but it's made news all over the all over the state. And, um, almost each week I've had some news media uh, in the office with a camera wanting to do an interview with me uh, because it's something that everybody's talking about, but I introduced uh, two bills addressing term limits, so I introduced HB 118, and HJR, which is the House Joint Resolution Constitutional Amendment number 45, 
which will put 16-year term limits on everybody from the General Assembly, myself included, down to if your local municipality has a dog walker, you, they would be limited to only being able to walk dogs for 16 years in that position. Um, so we're running a constitutional amendment to address that. That has to go through two General Assemblies, um, this 113th, and it has to go through the 114th, and then go on the ballot in 2026. Well, that should but be also, good. That should be good. You know, Bill Lee, uh, in addition to, I know he's going to, with full-throated support, support your real school choice bill because he ran on that and promised it. He also promised and ran on uh, strong support of term limits so that at least you've got the governor and all of his support in your corner because we know that he is a man of his word and that he will follow through on these things. So at least you got him in, in the corner uh, yeah. with you. And what's your other bill that you're running? So the, and then HB 118 is a 16-year term limit public act. So that's uh, will that's the General Assembly will basically have all 95 counties and the local municipalities ask the the local voters to vote on whether they want term limits at the local level. So we're kind of doing. I've got to run both of them in connection. The only way I can put term limits on the General Assembly um, and even term limits on the governor. The governor only. By Tennessee Constitution, the governor doesn't have a true term limit on the number of years. He just can't serve. He or she cannot serve more than two consecutive four-year terms. But hypothetical, Governor Haslam could come back in and run for another eight years in 2026, and then Governor Lee could come right in behind him because they just can't serve more than two consecutive four-year terms. So my constitutional amendment will put an eight-year cap on the, the governor as well. Um, I also introduced uh, party affiliation. That was one of the things that I heard a pileload of. A lot of people refer to it as closing the primaries. Um, and the purpose for a primary is for Republican voters to decide who their candidate's going to be going to the general election and for Democrat voters to decide who their candidate's going to be going into the general election. Um, independent voters get to vote in the general election, but because you're not a part of a party, you don't get to sway the outcome of which candidate is going to move forward in the general election. So super excited about that piece of legislation. I've got another bill that would um, make all elections partisan in the entire state. So if your name is going on a ballot, you'll be a Republican, Democrat, or independent, or another minor party um, that is approved. I've got another piece of legislation that will have the coordinator of elections cross-reference DMV for uh, individuals that are non-US citizens that have driver's license to be able to pull any voter registration that they've pulled. That way we don't have non-US citizens that have Tennessee driver's license being eligible to be able to vote in Tennessee elections. So we've got that taking place. Those are all, I promise you, I've surveyed, you know, the margin of error typically in a statewide race is about three or 400 people. Like you can get decent-ish polling data from two or 300 people. And I have ran polls where I've gotten three, 4,000 people respond back, uh, conservative primary voters. And they are all in favor of the things that you are pulling for. And they are the people that vote for everyone in the General Assembly. And so you would think, since that is wildly popular, and since that is the kind of thing that people like you could go look on all the websites of all the folks that are up there, and you will see alignment with everything you're trying to push through. And if they went into a, a Republican group or a club and they were asked the question, if they support the things that you're running, every one of them would say yes. So those should sail right through the legislature, right? We should not have any problems. But but what we will see, I believe, <laughs> is that the talk and the walk, once you start presenting these things, it's going to be it's going to be difficult to marry those two together. And uh, we need people on record 
uh, so that we can know uh, who stands with us and who doesn't. Uh, anything else you want to leave? Well, let me ask you this this final question. You've been kind with your time. Uh, what would you say to conservatives out there who feel like the GOP, uh, as you did with your representative, uh, isn't really responsive to the issues that primary voters care about, that there's what is said and there's what is done, and those two things just seem to be worlds apart. Uh, what practical advice would you see say, give to a Brian Ritchie that's sitting out there? Not everyone's going to want to run, uh, but what would you give um, – what kind of advice would you give to folks that felt like you did uh, and who who even today are like looking at the bills that are coming through the uh, General Assembly on illegal immigration magnets being improved or censorship or whatever? And they're like, what in the world is going on up there? What advice would you give to them? Uh, I would tell them that they needed to uh, contribute to the Tennessee conservatives. That way we keep the news get out in front of everybody. Um, no, but it, but it does tie in with that. Um, I would say if you're not going to run, I would get involved in somebody that will stand up and share your, your voice, your opinion. Um, it's a challenge running the campaign, um, getting that out there and getting the right individuals to be able to challenge somebody that is not voting based off of how, what your opinion on what they should be doing. So, uh, find if it's not for them to run for office, find out who is interested in running for that particular seat and get it, get involved, start assisting, knocking on doors, start uh, getting prepped up for putting mailers out, contact the, the legislators that are down there in, in at Cordell Hall at the Capitol. Um, let them know where you stand on the particular issues. Um, if at all possible, make sure that you're down there in person um, walking the hallways and set up appointments. All of the legislators that are down there, whether they're a House rep or a state senator, will set up appointments to be able to hear from constituents. Um, and I've directed my legislative aid that if there's somebody from my district that's at Cordell Hall, cancel appointment with anybody that I've got on the schedule to get them in. Because the lobbyists are there Monday through Thursday. I'll sit down and listen to what they've got to say, but if somebody has traveled three hours from Blount County to come down there to the Capitol, I want to have the opportunity to sit down with them face to face. That lobbyist can come in a different day, a different time. Um, but I would say reach out to your currently elected individuals and let them know why you don't um, support or why you support the legislation. And if they're not uh, willing to vote based off of where your opinion is on that stuff, either uh, go out and start knocking on doors like I did or uh, get involved, make uh, support the uh, the local groups, the uh, like the Tennessee Conservative and, and all the way down to your local groups that are spreading the message as far as for what's taking place across the state. That way we can uh, have an impact because the grassroots still does work. Um, it, it, you, we've got to stay on top of it um, because there's so much outside dollars that um, are floating around and the, the lobbyists are there. Um, being able to share their opinion on legislation all week long um, and where somebody from the district might only think about it whenever it's time for that bill to be presented these elected individuals down there at the capitol are hearing from these lobbyists every week they're seeing them in the hallways as they're walking around um, and i'm not saying that any of the lobbyists down there are bad people or bad intentions and most of them that i've had the opportunity for sitting down and chatting with they just want to be able to share their side of the story. But if all I'm hearing is their side and I'm not hearing from the community, then you start thinking that that is what 
the uh, public wants because they're sharing this rosy picture of why this is important. Uh, hang on. I'm, am I back? You're back. I had a call come in, but I would just say get involved um, and reach out to the folks. And if at all possible, show up down there, if, even if it's only for one day during session, call up your state rep and your state senator, get on their schedule and go down there and uh, say hello and share with them what your concerns are. Um, I think that's going to be extremely valuable. And showing up in person, I think, adds to the credibility or, or not necessarily the credibility, but it adds to the significance of your phone call when it does come in. Because I get phone calls all the time and I don't even know whether that person lives in my district or not. They could be somebody out in California, Oregon, Florida. They could be anywhere in the country. They might not even live in it, much less in my district or even the state. They could be somewhere else. But if it's somebody that's come down to the Capitol, they live in my district. We're able to talk about different streets and neighborhoods. And I know, yeah, this is somebody that's from my district. And then when they call up, now I remember having that conversation with them in person. Not saying that everybody needs to go down there, but I would recommend everybody to attempt to get down there for at least one day during session. Well, very good. And that is important. I did go down to Cordell Hall for the first time in about 15, 20 years. Uh, and I found me a mail cart downstairs to deliver some things and I, I played mailboy for a while and went around and said hey to everybody and it's a little overwhelming but once you've been there once you pretty much got it figured out so i would strongly recommend guys uh, get in a bus go down there see your representatives uh you know of all the things that we want to spend time reforming up in nashville as it relates to campaign finance and, and dark money Boy, we never do seem to touch the issue of the lobbyists and and all the out of district and out of state and special interest money. For some reason, although that is the most corrupting influence in Nashville, it is the thing that never gets addressed or touched, which is very funny to me. I'm not saying that there are different agendas going on up there, but I wish they would do that because uh, it is it is amazingly uh, it's a corrupting influence. And we, we actually Brian put together uh, a follow the money report, which, thank goodness, in about a week is going to be out. And it really shows that so many people in leadership get almost no money from their district and all their money from special interests. And after a while, there's this huge conflict between what the district wants and what the money wants and what the lobbyists want. And that scale just gets tipped over. And then you got to tip them out <laughs> if you're going to get anything done. So I appreciate you, buddy. I, I wish you the best. And hopefully with this Candidates Academy this summer, we can uh, put some more Brian Ritchies up there that aren't afraid to just bring the legislation that the people want uh, without as much interest uh, of the special interest. And we appreciate you. Thank you very much, buddy. All right, thanks for having me, Brandon. Best wishes. Have a great weekend. You too, guys. All right, man. This has been great. Uh, Brian Ritchie, keep an eye on him. I see nothing but good things coming down the pike. If you have enjoyed this interview uh, because of my amazing entertainment uh, capabilities, because they are they're renowned, uh, then I would like for you to go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com and hit that subscribe button and also search for Tennessee Conservative wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter, Tennessee Conservative. Brandon Lewis, talk to you next time. I'm signing off.